God is good all the time. Amen. He sure is. So I love family. (laughs) I don't know if y'all got the hint of that. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Slow down. (laughs) Yeah, we're good. (laughs) Seven is our number. (laughs) So family of seven, we're good. Having five kids. Um, it's a blessing. You know, Hannah is amazing. Um, just taking care of the kids and being there for me and um, being there for this church, doing all kinds of amazing things. She's an amazing woman, and I just love her so much. She probably is uh, mad at me because I'm actually talking about her. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just want to boast about that for a little bit. You know, we, I love my family. And I hope you do too. You know, children are a gift from the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. My quiver's full. <laughs> really full. Um, it's just a blessing to have family. And, you know, raising Kids, you know, we have, I have an Instagram account. Some of you might have an Instagram account. Some of you might not even know what an Instagram account is. Um, it's a social media site where you can post pictures and people can comment. And I have mine sent to Facebook so that I can receive double comments. Um, <laughs> um, but Instagram, even Facebook even, you know, people post the really good stuff, right? The best Instagram-worthy photos, the best Photos that you want to put out there on social media. People don't post the good stuff, right? The, the good stuff where you're just, what in the world am I doing? Why is the room just a disaster? We just cleaned it last night, you know, that type of stuff. I'm going to start doing that. Maybe I should start uh, posting pictures of a dirty room. Um, and my kids are like, no, please don't. <laughs> don't show our dirty rooms, right? Um, you know, but having five kids in the house, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. But raising kids is part joy. And I've come to realize that it's also part like guerrilla warfare. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're having to like keep them from killing each other, right? Uh, I'm sure y'all have some experience. You know, y'all have some, y'all probably are some warriors in this house. And you're probably thinking, why is he talking about family? I'm 70 years old. I've raised a family already, and maybe you should come up here and preach this sermon on family. (laughs) Y'all probably have a lot more wisdom to share, but here I am. Kids are in the room. Family's present, so it's appropriate to talk about family. And some of you probably wouldn't want to come up here and stand before church and actually preach a message on family. Um... But Jesus also said, let the children come to me. In that culture, it was a no-no. You know, the children were to stay in their place, not come before the rabbi. But Jesus said, let them come to me. So maybe they should preach this morning. (laughs) Maybe some children should preach this morning. Actually, Imline, can you come here? Come here, baby. This is my sweet 
six-year-old. She's a little shy, okay? Once, once you get to know her, though, she is a fireball. She is full of energy, full of joy, loves to tell people about Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Yes? <laughs> Do you think everybody should love Jesus? Talk, talk clear. Yes. You, you think so? Yes. <laughs> Have you enjoyed preaching before? Yes. You have? Yes. What would you tell people about Jesus if you could? I don't know. You don't know? No. Well, how, how about we actually share them the video of you preaching? Is that okay? Okay. Are you a little nervous about it? Yeah. You know what we do when we're nervous? What do no. we do when we're nervous? Um, I don't know. You don't know? What do we do at home? Pray. We pray. You're right. That's right. Why don't we pray? Would you like to lead us in prayer? No. You don't? <laughs> okay, I won't. But how about we pray for everybody here today? Okay. Okay, I will, but let's bow our head. God, thank you so much for your presence. God, we thank you so much for children. God, I pray that you would bless every children here, every parent here, every grandparent here, everybody in this church. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, may you use the children, God, to teach us wisdom even. May you use others to teach them wisdom so that we can all glorify you, for you are worthy of our love, you're worthy of our praise, it's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for coming forward, you can go back to your seat. You're welcome. (laughs) So, I wanted to bring her forward, because I have a video I'd love to show you. My daughter went viral a couple years ago. I shared a video of her on Facebook, and it started to spread. And I think it's an appropriate message to spread, and it's Emmeline preaching. Hey, everybody. I'm going to talk about Jesus. We praise the Lord. You know why? You know what Lord is? That's Jesus and God. yeah so yeah one night she just started coming in and started preaching to us out of the blue and she wants to make sure that we love Jesus and make him prouder and prouder I just think it's a, a cute you know it's so cute whenever kids start to grasp what we teach them yeah as grandparents, you know, 
you instill into your grandkids so much wisdom, so much love, so much knowledge. As parents, what we say, they're sucking up like a sponge everything we say. And so today I want to spend some time talking about family. At the end of my life, I want people to stand before you know, my funeral and say that I was a good pastor, of course. But I was a good husband and I was a good father to my kids. And I hope that for you as well. But see, what, if, what about family in our culture? You know, our culture, we, we can look at family. What's going on? Uh, the current generation is, is known as the fatherless generation. Meaning that, yes, there is a father, you know, but they're not involved. They're not present. They're not living in the moment. They're not there in the, um, in the lives of kids. They actually might be there in the home, but they're not truly present. And some of them aren't even in the home, and kids are forced to be without fathers. Keep, we can keep on looking at the culture. The, the divorce rate. The divorce rate is pretty high as a nation. Actually, if you look in the church, though, there's not any different. It's pretty high. Husbands are running around on their wives. Wives are doing the same to their husbands. Looking at the children in the home, we look at children and a lot of times we see that there's a lot of disrespect you look on the media, and that the th- way things are displayed on media about just people in general is very disrespectful, and the kids are, are soaking that up, and they're starting to bully in school because they're seeing it in their own society. They're seeing it in their own homes. Families are becoming more and more broken. Now, can God come into those situations and redeem? Absolutely. God redeemed my family. My father ran around on my mom. And when I was five years old, my mom had enough. And she had enough. And they got a divorce. And for a lot of my years, I blamed myself. I didn't understand. I was five. I started to blame myself. But God redeemed my family. Redeemed my dad's life. Set him free. He started living for the Lord. My mom started living for the Lord. And my family today is where we are because God intervened. God revived my family. And so today we're going to talk about how God can revive family. And I believe that God wants to revive family. God wants to revive family in this church, revive family out in the community, and revive family in the world. You might be here today and you think, this doesn't apply to me. Like I said, some of you, you've already raised a family. Well, if you're a grandparent, that does apply to you. You're still a part of the family. Some of you may be like, well, I'm not even married. How is this going to apply to me? We all have an opportunity to be a part of a family, a family of God. Whether you're young or whether you're old, family applies to you. Look around in our culture. Look at the books. Look at the movies. Look at the TV show, the music, the arts. 
They're longing for family. They want family. They're turning to all different kinds of ways of life for family. They want family. There's this hunger for family. That's why gangs are on a high. People get involved with gangs because it's a sense of family. It's pretty sad that kids and teenagers are turning to gangs because that's a better sense of family than they see in a lot of other places, in their own homes, and sadly, in a lot of their churches. That has to change. God wants to redeem family. People need family. They're longing for it. But what does God's Word teach us about family? And so today we'll be in um, Colossians. Paul talks to the, the church in Colossians, Colossae. Um, and so we'll be in chapter 3. And this is instructions for a Christian household. Verse 18. It says this. Verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there will be no favoritism. Fathers or masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So here we are. Paul is talking to a, a church. A church and they're, they're obviously wanting to learn more about what it is to live in the way of Jesus. There, there's households that's been around. You know, households hasn't just started to, uh, in the New Testament. It's been around households. But what do they look like? Maybe you are thinking of yourself, what should my household be motivated by? Paul talks about this. How we are to be good wives and husbands and children and fathers and mothers and but he even goes on further. And I'd like to address the second half of this, where he actually approaches his people, that Paul addresses his people, this church, and says, you are to treat others fairly. No matter who they are, even if you work for you. So you, you hear slaves probably in this context, and you're thinking of American slavery. Don't. You're reading it through the wrong lens. This is not American slavery. This is talking about taking care of people who work for you. Or, if you work for someone else, being a good worker. Because we are to work and do our work the best we can for the work of the Lord. Like we're working for the Lord. And so here it's even talking about, he applies this to the household. 
Because how we work, how we take care of our family uh, is important to the household. Especially whenever the, the unit is dependent on your income. Or there's others that work for you. Maybe you are a boss and you own your own company or whatnot. There's people that you take care of that if you mistreat them, it's going to impact their household. So Paul is going deep in this. That it's not just the way we take care of each other as husband and wives and, and children and, and, and uh, fathers and mothers, but also how we take care of one another who we work for and who works for us and how that even applies to the household. But then he goes on, he goes and says, verse 18, submit. <laughs> Whoa. Submit. See, in our culture, we think of that word and we, it, it, it's a dirty word. Like to say that, it's like, whoa. The reason why is because we have a warped view of what submission looks like. Because when we look at the world, the way we see submission, we see just this harsh reality of what it's lived out. You know, when we think of submission, we think of someone forcing you to do something that you do not want to do. That should never be a model of any marriage. Ever. If that is a model of marriage, that's not marriage, that is slavery. <laughs> American type slavery, and that is wrong. We think about submission when we even think about American slavery, how we've, you know, as a nation, used to force people to work for us. That is wrong. That is not the way of God. And so when we read this in verse 18, I want you to think about this, okay? I don't want you to just hear this as me as a preacher or even Paul talking to this church and saying just to the wives. Sure, he directs it to the wives, but remember, both wives and husbands under the covenant of marriage, all the way in the, in the garden, <laughs> that covenant of marriage, what was it? It was they were united as what? As one. They are one. So what is said to one applies to the other. What is said to this one applies to this one. So when Paul, or even you know, me talking this morning, when I say wives, I'm also speaking to husbands as well. Because y'all are one. If you truly um, were married under the covenant of God, you become one. So when we submit, when we respect, then we are doing that for God, for the Lord. Wives, we're to submit, we're to show respect for our husbands. And husbands are to do the same because we are one. We're one. See, whenever we read this, when we read verse 18, it should always be read in tandem with verse 19 because of that oneness. So whenever you hear, submit to your husbands, husbands should hear that too. And it should apply both ways. Love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. It should apply to both of us. As husbands and wives, we're to submit to one another. We're to love one another. 
We're to show respect to one another because it is no longer Dustin's way of life. It's no longer Hannah's way of life. It is the Wilson's way of life because we are one. We are now husband and wife. And so we are to submit to one another. Right? Sure, she should respect me, but I should respect her as well. I should love her, but she should love me well as well. It should go both ways. But in our society, we don't. A lot of times we hear this, we read this, and as men, we take advantage of those women. No, that should never be the case. You shouldn't be taking advantage of anyone. Wives, you shouldn't take advantage of your husbands. You should treat them fairly. Love them. Sacrifice for them. For the greater good of the family. For the greater good of each other. So, husbands. <laughs> it says, you're to love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Man up. <laughs> I said that to you um, at the, the Westland Men's Gathering uh, Sunday night, or Sunday evening. Man up. It's time for more and more men to man up, to love our wives, to model that for our children. If there's anything besides my relationship with God that I can give my children is a healthy marriage, right? Because if they see a healthy marriage, they see how I treat their, their mom, my wife, they will know how family should be. And if they get that sense, they see that model before them, it'll be so much easier uh, when they get in a relationship with God. Because they see a, a marriage that models a way that our relationship should be with that of God as well. Submitting to the Father. Loving the Father. You know, going before the Father. You know, those type things. See, women in our culture, and really women in this culture as well, were not looked highly on. Praise God, because of, of the preaching of God's Word and the way the Lord brought people to Him and the way the Lord treated women in that society, that started to change. And we are seeing a change in our society, which is, which is positive, that we should empower women. Men, you should empower your wife. Don't talk down to her. Empower her. Love her. Model that for your children, for your grandchildren. Respect her. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, be considerate. See, in that culture, they, they, they didn't really have a whole lot of choices. The choice was made for them. Who they were going to marry. Praise Jesus, that has changed in our society. And we, can, we have a choice in the matter of, of who we get to marry. It's not decided for us. But in this society, that was, that was the case. And sadly, women didn't have a whole lot of say-so. And husbands, Peter here is reminding them to be considerate. In that society, that was a big word, you know. To consider them. I mean, they didn't have any consideration in this marriage. Husbands, be considerate. Be considerate of the needs of your own wife. 
And I would challenge you to put their needs above your needs. Because that's sacrificial love. Then going down to the children. Like I said, children are a blessing. And we model to them what life should be like. It says in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. We are to honor our parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 2 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and your mother, your life will be full of more and more joy. Right? And less gray hair for me. Okay, maybe not, but that's a hope. <laughs> no, but we're supposed to honor our father and mother. I still honor my father and mother. I'm 33 years old, and I'm still honoring my father and mother. They're coming over today. We're going to have lunch, and I'm going to treat them with honor, dignity, and respect because they treat it to me, and they deserve that. Children, your parents, your grandparents, or your guardians who looks after you, Honor them, love them, respect them. Then it goes on to verse 21. It says, fathers, fathers, don't talk down to your children. Don't cause them to anger. Don't anger your children. Don't do this. Some of our tra- translations um, say parents. They've, uh, they've taken it and uh, translated it to mothers and, children, and fathers. But in this society, fathers were, were, uh, were received on, on higher, right? But if you think about it, even today, I think about my relationship with my father or my stepfather. And the way when he says something to me, what weight it carries not saying that the the mother's weight carries doesn't carry anything not saying that at all like I value my mother's word and boy when my mother got on to me I knew that I was supposed to listen (laughs) or she would be on my tail (laughs) Um, but there's something um, from fathers for children you know moms your words weigh you know about 25 pounds I'm just you know, this is my just just me giving an illustration here, but say yours weigh, your words weigh 25 pounds. Dads, the weight of yours is about 500 pounds. What you say to your children, most of the time your voice carries with a lot more authority. What you say to your children is very important. Like I said before, my father and my stepfather the common things that I heard from them was, Son, I'm proud of you. And I hold on to that. And I know some, some of you, your father didn't, you didn't hear a whole lot of that. Some of you probably heard yelling and belittling from your father. And that's probably what you bring into your relationship with the Heavenly Father. But I'm here to tell you today, The Heavenly Father is perfect. He will correct. He will. He will correct you. But it's out of love. And so some of us, you know, 
we look at our earthly fathers and we take that to our heavenly father and we think that the heavenly father is like that. He is not. The heavenly father is there for you to speak into your life, to correct you whenever you need correcting because every child needs structure. And in this society, children need more and more structure in their life so that they can flourish. But mothers, your words are important too. Especially with girls. Especially with the girls in your life. There's things that I can say to my girls that just won't carry much weight compared to what Hannah says to them. What I hope to hear, what they hear me is me saying, I'm proud of you. You're beautiful. Those type things. And sure, I'm there to correct them and, and discipline when I need to. But a mother's word for their children is also very important. So in summary, husbands, love your wives and be considerate. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't irritate your children. <laughs> but we can't stop there. And Paul didn't stop there. When, when he taught the churches, we go to Ephesians, Ephesians 5. It's also an example of this type of instruction for the Christian household. It's, he says this in 21, but before he goes into the details that he lays out here, um, he says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's for everybody. That wasn't just for the fathers. That wasn't just for the mothers. That was for the children. That was for the grandparents. That was for everybody that encompasses family. Mutual submission. Everyone in the family calls reverence for Christ. He emphasizes that. Calls of reverence for Christ. Not reverence for the family. Not reverence for the, the husband. Not reverence for the, the mother. Not reverence for anybody individually in the family. But reverence for Christ. When we submit. When we love. When we respect. We're doing that out of reverence for Christ. Because Christ modeled that. You think about Christ. He got up underneath our burden. It was our burden. It wasn't his burden to bear. It was our burden. And that was the burden of sin that separated us from the Father. He leveraged his power for the sake of others. And the others was us. Everyone in this room. Christ came down, died for us, for our sin, for our burden. Used his power for others. So the big question whenever you think about mutual submission is this. What can I do to help? Can you imagine, like parents, or even grandparents, those who have even raised kids. Can you imagine if your child, your, your youngest, you know, came into the room and said, What can I do to help? What? Are you serious? You just said, do What? See, because as parents, we're typically like, I need you to do this, do that. Like, listen to me. Hey, calm down. Listen to me. What if it was, what can I do to help? Think about this, wives. What if your husband came to you? Honey, what can I do to help? Blow some of your minds, right? Husbands, what if your wife came to you and asked the question, what can I do to help? 
Grandparents, what if your kids came to you and said, what can I do to help? Turn it around. What if you came to your kids who are raising a bunch of kids themselves, stressed out because of the weight of the world, and you said, what can I do to help? That's a powerful question. And that will help change a family dynamic. If everybody in the family is truly saying, what can I do to help? Is saying, it's communicating this message, I'm here for you. See, Jesus did that. He modeled that. He came into this world. He says, I'm here for you. And so are you willing to leverage all of you for the sake of your family? Jesus did that. I want Dustin Wilson to leverage all of my power, all of my influence, not for me, but all of me for the Wilson family, for those who are in my family, who are in my life. See, we became the Wilson family at 7707, and we will continue long after I'm old and hopefully walking in the blessing of grandkids. So if some of you are here today and you're walking in the blessing of grandkids, you can spoil them with candy and send them home. Praise Jesus, right? <laughs> you don't have to worry about the ramifications of candy. You can send them home. We should walk in that blessing. But out of submission for one another, loving one another, we is so much greater than me. Community is so much greater than individualism. But some of you are thinking, okay, you've been talking about family, but my family's gone. Or I'm not even married. How did God view family? See, here in America, we tend to think about nuclear family. It wasn't applied here. God wasn't just speaking to the nuclear family. That's why he went on when Paul talked about it in verse 22 to, to uh, even in chapter 4. He was talking about a family unit that was more than just the nuclear family. More than just the individuals that make up husband and wife and kids. It was more than that. It extended out past that. Not saying that a nuclear family is bad, but... It's pretty more of a modern, modern term. You go to the ancient world, you read into the Old Testament even, you look at a, a, the family unit then, it looked a whole lot different than the typical nuclear family of today. It involved people, a relationship, a relational network of both blood and non-blood relationships. Natural family along with friends, along with neighbors, along with work relationships. This was the family hood. This was the household of the ancient world. See, the world, word family doesn't mean those who have the same blood. It really means those who have the same values. When you look at the life of Jesus, the people he brought with him and round, around him and he actually called them his household his family it wasn't all people that was blood kins. it was people that shared a common value and so this word means household actually if you look up in the Greek the word for household is um, um, oikos 
Oikos is a family on mission together, a family that carries common um, values, sharing resources, time, talents with each other. We talked about the fellowship of believer. That was actually what family was lived out. It was in fellowship. They were sharing one another's resources. No, they weren't necessarily all blood kin. Some of them were blood kin. But it also encompasses their friends, their family members. And I'm telling you that the the culture is hungry for family. They're looking for family. Look in the TV section. Look in the uh, books all throughout. Look in movies. They're hungry for family. But they're not just looking for the nuclear family. They're looking for friends and family members and people that share the same um, values in a church. Our values should be that of God. And so when we are part of the family of God, we should share one another's resources, share one another's talents. We should, as a church family, say, what can I do to help? Mutual submission to one another because we love one another like Christ loved us. And so today, I believe that God wants to revive families. But not just this modern idea of nuclear families, but actually goes further than that and involves people that are your neighbors, involves people that are your friends, and and those who have common values. See, the kingdom of God doesn't have generations. It's full of parents. It's full of children. It's full of grandparents. It's full of friends, neighbors, doing life together, living out the family of God, on mission for God, together practicing mutual submission. What can I do to help? I'm here for you. Can you imagine if every one of you sitting in these pews treated each other like that what can i do to help i'm here for you as your pastor i'm telling you that what can i do to help i'm here for you and i hope as a family of god we can treat each other like that to love one another and to submit to one another as christ modeled that before us God wants to revive family. And I think He can start here in these these seats, here in our homes, out in our communities. We first have to submit to Him. We can't truly submit to one another unless we truly submit to Him and understand His sacrificial love that He had for us. So my challenge for you this morning no matter who you are, grandparents, parents, children, friends, loved ones, neighbors, may you treat each other with honor, dignity, respect, love one another sacrificially, and ask each other, what can I do to help? I'm here for you. God, we thank you so much that through Christ you modeled what family was supposed to be like, what family is. God, I pray that as this church, God, as we continue to 
take shape around you, God, and as we, tend, as we go and model our lives after you, God, that we would actually start to treat each other like you designed family to be. God, may we approach each other as what can I do to help? Can, may we come at each other and say, I'm here for you. God, I pray that we would die to self so that we can live sacrificially for other people. God, help us to grow as parents. Those who are parents here today, uh, those who are husbands here today, those who are wives here today, grandparents, help us grow in you. Because this family of God is so much bigger than ourselves. And we understand that you designed it that way. And we want to please you, Father. For you are worthy of of our praise. You are worthy of our love. May we model it to other people as we love them as well. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.